This week, we're going to talk about the final commitment ceremony that happened in Married at First Sight and the really surprising twists and turns that the, um, the show took us on with the couples. So, Andrew, let's start with thinking about one of the actually less controversial couples, surprisingly, which um, was Ella and JJ. Yes. So things haven't moved quite as we thought or hoped, but how were you feeling about the feelings that they showed for each other at the commitment ceremony? You know what? I think they do like each other. I think JJ does find Ella attractive. I think she's being very triggering to him at the minute. And I think it's in this occasion, it seems to always be after drink um, where personality changes and she almost becomes this, I guess over overexcited and and wants to be the center of attention and JJ perhaps has been hurt by that in the past we know that's why essentially he came in looking for somebody different um there's been a lot of hurtful things said on the back of it and I do agree with JJ that it's almost becoming a trend and that's something that worries him a lot I think it comes down to well as insecurities and perhaps she's at her most confidence after she's after she's had a drink, I thought it was quite telling that when they went out for the final date, that um, there was no no seco then presented as well. So I think that, that she she's probably aware of what's happening, but it, it's very much in the balance at the minute because Ella still isn't getting that. I suppose the sexual side of a relationship, um, JJ's holding back, but in constantly demanding it, it seems like JJ slowly taking a step back and looking at things slightly differently. And 90% of the time, they're good. The only problem is that 10% where they're not, is seemingly, we've not been there and heard it, is becoming very damaging as a whole to the relationship. And that's something perhaps everybody can take note from that, you know, just because you're good 90% of the time, if that 10% isn't constructive arguing or is actually damaging insults, then that can be the, the fundamental thing that can finish a relationship. Yeah, definitely. I actually saw a statistic um, this week that said British women, British women are the biggest drinkers in the entire oh, really? world. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, that's probably right. Bit, yeah, there is a bit of a culture, isn't there, of girls' night out has got to involve drink and yeah. often too much drink. Um and I'm not saying it's not the same for guys. I, I guess it is, but I, I can only speak from a woman that I know there is that culture of to have a good time, you need a drink, which actually is quite dangerous because for one, you can put yourself in vulnerable scenarios. And for two, um, sometimes all kinds of ridiculous things come out to the people that you care about the most. So yeah, I do think that um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? If you're with a partner, male or female, and drink is a big part of how they enjoy themselves on a night out because not everybody reacts well to drink and nobody wants a jackal and hide, do they? No, I think drinking, you know, if you're in a good place, drinking's often fine. But if you're in a slightly vulnerable or if you doubt yourself, if your confidence is low, it can take you to polar opposites. And actually it turned it can turn you into a what seemingly seems like a monster because frustrations of where you're at and all of a sudden I don't care I'm comfortable with myself and what you're saying and it can become very attacking so I think yeah everybody likes to drink and I think men are 
exactly the same. It's a British culture, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Drinking. I mean, I think when you go on the continent, it's far less. But um, yeah, it's, it's understanding that if you're going to have a drink, is your head in a good place? Is your mind frame in a good place? Can you see it being a positive outcome? And if it's not, which we've seen repeatedly now with Ella, then that's maybe a bit of self-growth to actually question that yourself and thinking, look, if I want the course of my relationship to change, then I'm going to have to do a bit of self-building and and growing in order to make that the case. So um, with the relationship, I'm not convinced that they'll move forward, if I'm honest. Um, Maybe there's a few too many negatives in the back of your mind. At such an early stage, if you've got so many red flags popping up, then you know that can often turn the tide. So, you know, what's your views? Do you think they'll uh, they'll commit and move forward? Or I just don't see it. I just don't see the right energy between them. I think Ella is such a live wire. She really needs somebody to bounce off. She does. Okay, you could say, well, she needs somebody to ground her and to give her all of this um, validation and all of these things, which JJ um, probably could do. There just seems to be a real mismatch there in terms of she seems as though she could be so much fun and she wants to throw herself into everything wholeheartedly, especially this relationship. And JJ is just so reserved. And I think he went on the show wanting to find a partner that was maybe a bit more like him, a bit more reserved and sensitive and taking their time. But obviously, he decided actually, no, he'd much prefer to go for Ella in the end. And um, although they do seem to respect each other and there is some caring there, he's obviously very upset when she gets upset. She's very upset when he gets upset in quite a sweet way. But I just don't see any um, chemistry, really. Do you? No, there's no... I don't, I don't think there is any chemistry at all. Um, I think that's that slipped very quickly into a friendship arena and you know what I think opposites do attract but similarities are still needed and I think in their relationship I mean to be fair Ella seems to look twice as outgoing as what she perhaps is and JJ seems to be fair a little bit dull next to that and I don't see any common ground in between apart from perhaps it's what JJ's always gone for and I think the lesson is and JJ perhaps needs to learn this lesson he was matched with somebody in the first place who was different to what I normally goes for because he was unsure about it he decided not to move forward and guess what he's got exactly what he always gets the same sort of person probably the same sort of troubles because he's reflecting on that so I think in relationships I don't know what you think but Sometimes, and we see it in matchmaking, as you know, a lot, being open to exploring different avenues is often what can lead to finding a long-term relationship. Because if you do what you've always done and go after what you always have, then you're going to end up with what you always have in the past. So being open to change and being open to look in different ways, you know, we know ourselves, that's where you can see you know, the magic happening and people actually forming strong bonds and relationships based more more than looks, much deeper than that, into matters of the heart and the soul and aligning what you like to do. And I just think they seem to be worlds apart in all in all, in all, in all areas. Um, there's no common ground, I guess, is what I'm saying there. Yeah, I mean, when I do my coaching, I coach clients every week, obviously, and Often they will tell me about their past relationships and, you know, it will be a repeated pattern. And I'll say, 
what kind of person would you really like? You know, what kind of person would really match your values? And usually it's the complete opposite to every partner that they've chosen so far. And I kind of say, well, just imagine if you were with somebody that matched your level of motivation and honesty and loyalty and humor and all of these things. And they almost like have to take a breath and think, oh my gosh, that would be just so wonderful. And yet they've continually chosen people that are either emotionally unavailable, that tends to be the biggest problem actually, um, or just people that, you know, that are perhaps way less motivated. So they end up playing a, a more parental role, that kind of thing. So yeah, I think that we often keep making the same mistake. And you could go back and say, well, it's because of the example your parents set you or, you know, something in your life happened that made you think that this kind of partner is the right one for you, whether you feel that you have to make someone love you because you grew up with that, you know, that's your comfort zone because you grew up trying to make a parent love you or, you know, whatever it is, is once you recognize it, you can change it. Yeah. And, then and I think that's key. All those wasted years about, you know, chasing yeah. the wrong thing and just move on. But it's just understanding it, isn't it? Yeah, it's understanding your wants and needs and digging deeper than surface level, mm. you know, because... You know, well, sadly, it's a fact of life. We all get older, we all change, we all we all become somebody different. But what connects, what anchors any relationship is if you're connected by the soul, not just superficial exteriors and, you know, whether they be six foot two or whether she be slim and petite, whatever. There's so much more to a relationship. You know what? That sort of approach is great if you're young and you just want a little bit of a footloose and frantic free existence. But... If you're looking for something deeper, you've got to dig deeper. And that's not just in the partner you're looking to, but as you've just rightly said, in yourself, so that you can explore what actually you need to be, you need from a partner to fulfill you. And that's more than looks or size or anything else. It, it, it aligns with, you know, intellectually or, you know, the fun side of life, which we'll, we'll, we'll look at with some of the other issues with some of the other couples. But yeah, you, you've got to dig deeper. If you want something that's going to last, then you've got to bear your soul and 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 let somebody connect with that, not, not just on the surface level. Yeah. And I think one of the big problems, you can tell me what you think about whether this is also a male issue, but a female issue is a lack of feeling that they deserve a really great partner. Um it's really sad how often that I realize is the theme because very successful women that have achieved so much in life will still not feel worthy of an equal. And yes. I'd love to understand more what happens to young girls that creates this scenario where they don't feel deserving of a really great man. And I don't it's know if men have the same issue. I think they do, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think, you know, I think hurt is something we're all scared of. And I think from a man's perspective, you can often think, oh, well, I'm not good enough for, for that person. They're too good for me. And I think that all comes back to you've got to love yourself first before you can be loved or love anybody else. And if you doubt yourself internally, those doubts will raise to the surface and very quickly become obstacle blocks, which you put in place in order for it to fail. You know, Everybody, you know, everybody on this planet is a beautiful person. Knowing your beauty and understanding your value and your worth means that you'll never feel too less or, or not enough for somebody. Um, 
And also you'll never feel better than anybody. And that's important because for relationship to work, like I said, it's got to be an equal level of respect um, and, and, and consideration. And not that, as we've seen throughout the series, a teacher pupil experience or, you know, it, it, it's got to be different. And the only way that happens is if you understand yourself. And I do think that's, that, that, that's across both sexes um, and genders there. It's, it's not, I don't think it's gender specific. Um, I think the expectation of what a woman wants can scare a man. And I think the expectation of what a man has can scare, can scare a woman equally. So it's being confident in yourself, knowing your own value and understanding what you actually need from a relationship on a much deeper level. And actually then making sure that's what you get, you don't settle as well you know um so yeah i think it works on both both genders really yeah i think um it's a shame we're kind of taught that through fairy tales and rom-coms and love stories it's fine eventually someone will come along and they'll fix you and heal you and mend you and make you really happy we never we don't teach young people that actually you have to make yourself this great whole person if you're ever gonna you know really enjoy a relationship with anyone so um yeah, it's, yeah, and I, when I do speak to my clients, some obviously are expecting me to have a magic wand in terms of finding them the person they, wa they want. But actually what I'm trying to do is get them to work on themselves as much as thinking about what they want from someone else, which can be yeah. a bit of a surprise sometimes, but it's the only way to do it. Um, you go in no, to a relationship and then you can't be broken, you know, yeah. so... That's the that's the really important lesson I think that we don't discuss enough when we're thinking about love and marriage and you know the happy ever after. Um, I agree completely. You agree with that, yeah? As a as a guy, you would. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I agree with it completely. Yeah, because it is quite different, I think, in some ways the way we see the world without stereotyping. You know, just the way that we are brought up. Maybe things are a bit different now. It's a bit more progressive, but we were brought up. Um, very much to believe in traditional roles and if you deviated from that you're going to be a bit of a disappointment so I think things are changing um, yeah. Yeah. and I think thank god they have as well over recent times you know you know equality of in, in every area is so important and certainly in love and relationships is is so important I think yeah you flip back through time and there were certain roles specific roles that a wife would do and specific roles a man would do thank god that's changed because actually both parties have something unique and special to bring to a relationship and in a relationship for me anyway you're not looking to pull away from somebody or take something back you know allowing somebody to be themselves and highlight themselves and and, and fly and be comfortable is so important and that's something that should be reciprocated both ways so that both people can you know people always think when i'm with somebody they've got to do exactly a relationship isn't ownership it's sharing moments of your life and that's a massive a massive a massive lesson for everybody really and to take on board because having different interests is equally so important um as long as fundamentally you 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 your actual desires wants needs align that's fine you know it's something to talk about as well so yeah loving yourself first is so important to a positive happy relationship yeah so let's look at erica and jordan because yeah. jordan has become quite a complex character 
And I really felt for him actually during the ceremony because you could see he's actually really quite fragile, you know, and he needs to feel safe and he needs someone to understand him. And I don't think he's deliberately trying to make Erica feel as though her feelings don't count. It's just that he's got himself trying to hold himself within such a tight kind of grip so that he is okay. It's yeah. it's just naturally evolving that she's starting to feel like the caretaker. Yeah, I think part of it is the group's influence on that relationship, if I'm honest. I think Erica was incredibly happy to not do the partner swap because Jordan, and I think what Jordan is, is emotional intelligence. And when we talk about knowing yourself and your needs, it's so important to have a positive relationship. Jordan does know that. Don't get me wrong, I think at times he's had too many opinions about too many people and the group have sort of, as soon as there's any sort of crack in their relationship, have jumped on it more out of revenge as opposed to being a part, having a positive influence on it. And that's what's probably influenced Erica and she's got lost in those thoughts and then turned full circle on what their discussion was. And Jordan did seem very um, sideswiped by that because he just didn't see it coming. Um, Jordan does understand that actually his needs from his OCD, um, and as we've gone through, that's become more and more prevalent. And certainly when they were sat on the couch, you, I certainly anyway, for me, got a greater understanding of him. And it's not difficult. I do think he's got a good emotional intelligence. I think he's got a good moral standing as well. Um, and he is, yeah, he has his little quirks that he knows he needs to do because otherwise... He knows if that isn't there, he can't be in a positive, that relationship will not be positive. And if it's not positive for him, it's not going to be positive for the other person. And it's a shame that they had such a big wobble. But I do think that they've sort of come back on track with that. And they seem to be sort of bonding a little bit more. Um, I'm not quite sure once, once it finishes, if it will have any longevity at the minute, obviously, I think Jordan's turned around and said, well, I need to be in that relationship for a long period of time. I need to know that I can come and move in with you. It's almost gone from naught to 100 and missed out all the in-between. And you could, you could physically see Erica sort of recoil with a little bit of fear thinking, I will be there for you, but I can't be your carer. And that is perhaps where that relationship is sort of drifting towards. So I do now understand Erica's fears, but I do think she was able to influence by the group. And I think that was their intention, if I'm honest. Yeah, I don't think Erica's going to have the patience with that on the outside world, to be honest, because she's great, but, you know, she's super feisty. And I just don't think he can cope with that. Um, no. And so the mix of him needing her to be so gentle and her needing her to express herself in whatever loud, proud way she wants to at any given time, um, that's going to be a little bit of a kind of conflict between them, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think I think eventually it will take its toll. Um, they might initially go into it, but I, I think the distance, I think Jordan's needs will become overwhelming. Um, and I think Erica will take a step back. I, I can't see it unless something changes, um, which I don't think it can with Jordan, because I think if it does, it will throw him too much. I don't think that will um, that'll progress for, for very long at all afterwards. Yeah. So really surprise turnaround for Adrienne and Matt, because we really thought she'd completely had enough last week. She didn't seem to feel that there was much chemistry. There was nothing kind of 
buzzing between them that was exciting her. She had a great time with George and she was kind of really quite smitten with him for a little bit, I think, maybe platonically, but, you know, he kind of opened her eyes and she thought, wow, this is great fun. Um, but they seemed super close and to have reached a bit of a new understanding. Do you think yeah. that they, do you think there's longevity there? Well, you know what? I did. Um, I think that, again, I think the influence of the group had kind of got into the mindset and I think Matt's just constant, no, this will work, this will work. And just because you, just because you want it or say it out loud, doesn't mean that that's the case. So he had to take a step back and actually listen a little bit more. Um, they are close. They seem to get on very well. They've got such good communication. I think they, they had a good week where they had a bit of fun and, you know, in a different in a different arena, the pressure seemed to come off. So they could explore each other a little bit more and not under the scrutiny in their own sort of environment. And we saw that blossom. The only, I guess the only thing which was a worry, which I know was perhaps from last night's, was the fact that obviously when they're in this solid position, she then turned around and said that she didn't want children. And obviously with um, Matt, it's very high on his agenda. He does want kids. So that that's a massive stumbling block to hit so late on, really. I mean, for me, I'm surprised that conversation hasn't been had sooner um, because they are massive massive life decisions to suddenly think, well, if that's not there, is this going to work? So now that could be the only thing. Prior to that, I thought they were in such a, such a strong position after having a tough time. But like anything, I think there's a conversation for them to have and they can, they can sit down and if they can bash it through and maybe think, well, look, let's put that to one side for a second. Let's work on us and see, 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 if, see if the relationship grows. Then once that's there, let, let, let's revisit it at a later stage because feelings change, perceptions change. Um, but first of all, you've got to fall in love with somebody before you can plot out. And I think, again, that's sometimes where people can get confused in going into a relationship earlier. And I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll reiterate this from your coaching. You can't tick every box straight away. There's no, there's no person that ticks every single one of your boxes. As long as you can start the relationship, you've got things in common and it's going well, work with it at the moment. Everything's got a, got a position in, in a relationship that you reach. It's not all got to be reached straight away. So hopefully they can move forward strongly. Um, but I guess this will all depend on that, that, that one complex sort of issue for them both. Yeah, I'm surprised actually with the matchmaking process because normally as a matchmaker, if you've got somebody who absolutely definitely wants children and somebody who says it's highly unlikely they're going to want children, you wouldn't match them. No. So no. that's odd. Either they weren't completely upfront about that or the matching process, you know, they've just kind of thought, well, let's just throw them in together and see what happens. But you know, within professional matchmaking, you would not normally set people up for that kind of potential disappointment. No, you wouldn't set somebody to fail on that. And I think that's almost what's happened here. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to remember the reality of relationships is based around dating shows. And if everybody was skipping into the sunset on, on after day one, then actually there's no TV show. So, you know, sometimes some of the matches, I'm sure, will be done with 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 careful consideration and some will be done because you know, that, mm. yeah 
controversy and, and, and it makes the TV show. So um, what it does do is shows matchmaking works incredibly well, whichever way they're going to use it to, to do. But yeah, it, it's a fundamental that. Um, so I did you, I did feel sorry for Matt at that stage and also Adrian because, you know, it was almost like a surprise to both of them. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. So let's just revisit Peggy and George. Um, as you know, I find this one quite an irritating one. Yeah, <laughs> and I think um, so they're on the sofa during the commitment ceremony. They're very close. They do seem as though they're pretty happy, but Peggy has to go in and kind of tell everyone how George just is not what her parents want. You know, it's going to be such a disappointment to them if she stays with him. It's such a difficult decision. And although ultimately um, she kind of stands up for the relationship and says, I'm going to put myself first and have what I want. And that's you, George. And it always it seems, you know, quite loving and sweet. I just think how long can this guy, you know, his self-esteem survive everything? Yeah kind of being presented in a way that, well, you know, I don't know if you're good enough, George. I don't know if you're, you know, what myself and my family want, but, you know, maybe I'll just try to tolerate you. It just, it just always feels as though she's squashing him down, although she is giving him a certain amount of love and hope. And I just don't feel that's very healthy. You've got to accept someone for who they are. And I understand she can't control what her parent, how her parents felt, but I think because it's happened every week that George is knocked for just fundamentally being himself, it was quite hard to watch that now he has the whole family against him, essentially, and he's going to have to keep proving himself, which isn't particularly great for one's sense of self. No, I agree. I mean, I think she said something last night, actually, where she says, you know, if you don't, if my family, if you don't get my family on the side, you'll lose me. My instant thought was, George, right now, <laughs> you're, at risk, you're at risk of losing yourself. Yeah. Because yeah. you know what, George perhaps isn't everybody's cup of tea. But the reality, that is George. And I think he's being asked to change so many fundamentals about himself that actually, in as soon as he gets on the outside world, I actually think he'll look back and think, this isn't me at all. And I think that's where the relationship will break down because I don't see any longevity there. I think the fact that her parents really don't like him for whatever reason, because they don't like his job. But how long, the question is, is how long as an adult, male or female, do you allow your parents to continue to make your decisions? Yeah. Because yeah. at the end of the day, her mum and her dad aren't the ones who's going to, you know, spend time with him, aren't the ones who snuggle up at night, aren't the ones who are going on holiday. And in trying to please everybody else, you'll never be happy because with some parents, and it certainly seems there, nobody's good enough for Peggy. And George will just be another person who's not good enough for Peggy. And if Peggy's not careful and perhaps doesn't take the confidence to understand how she feels and go with her heart and her gut, as opposed to having to carry five people's different opinions around to make a meaningful relationship, we could be having this conversation another 10 years and she'll be in exactly the same situation. Yeah, and you know those marriages that you see where one half never lived up to the in-laws' expectations? And it just gets worse, doesn't it? The tensions just get worse and the feeling of, you know, being a little bit defeated just gets worse. So 
I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that pairing I have to admit I think Peggy just wants him to sit obediently next to her and worship her um and you know he's got a big personality which she does love but she's I don't know just trying to she loves it while she loves it while she's controlling it mm. and I think that's the thing I think fundamentally is just a control issue and you you control George George is no longer George so yeah. either love him for what he is, accept him for what he is, or just accept that he's not the right person. But you can't continually change somebody because that uh, that eventually builds to resentment. Uh, that that that's 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 where that track takes you. So, um, and then George, I think, will just think, right, I'm done with this now. Um, this isn't who I am. It's not what I wanted. You know, I've gone along with it, and you can get lost lost in that process until yeah. you get to the outside world. So. Okay, so let's just touch on the um, really sad outcome yeah. between Roz and Thomas. Um, completely unexpected, because although we had our doubts about them, they seem to be the couple that were really working on building a very natural, authentic, caring, loving, respectful relationship. And they go to the homestay experiment, and Roz suddenly has this startling awakening that Thomas isn't what she wants on the outside world and you know sad is still the main reason is because she's realized she wants children but she just absolutely does not want them with him which you know for such a polite caring respectful guy you have to kind of think what is it you're looking for Roz I mean I know that we all want that magic chemistry and maybe that just isn't there but that appeared to be there recently you know um very much so. But yeah, it was very sad to watch because clearly she did have real feelings for him in some shape or other because she was genuinely devastated. And he was genuinely devastated that he just couldn't fight for her anymore. So how did you feel watching that? Were you expecting that? Or was it a complete shock? No, it was a complete shock, wasn't it? And I think what, what Ross hasn't done, and I think she's done this time and again, she's got into her own mind and decided as soon as she's got to homestays, Thomas will not fit in. She's neither given him the chance, the time to prove it. And he even said, we've only been together for a short time. I wouldn't expect to be your number one priority. He was thinking rationally, even though he, he, he cares deeply for her, you know, he, he went and helped to muck out, you know, not his thing. And to be honest with you, this is where differences aren't a problem mm. because in a relationship, you're not looking right. I need to be with you 100% of the time all day long. That isn't it. You can have other priorities at other time of the day, which take preference. We all go to work. When I'm at work, that's my that's my that is my focus. Mm. You know, it doesn't mean that my wife. I don't love any less. It just means at that moment that has to be my number one priority while I'm there. Um, and I think that's that's got lost on Roz, where she almost feels. I need you to be number one priority in everything. Well, that's not realistically. You can love somebody and the eye, number one priority, if there's a problem, you'd be there. But you're allowed to have other priorities in your life that are important to you. And, you know, I just think, I just think she's got lost in her own head and she's almost decided, like early on we saw it, it's not going to work. I've decided it's not going to work because of A, B and C. And then we saw them get over that speed bump and they were doing incredibly well close, intimate, you know, experimental, everything she'd asked. And they were really on a level playing. And then all of a sudden, and I can understand why Thomas has been blindsided to it because 
it did come from nowhere. And, you know, both of us said last week, we think these will go on to do really well. And all of a sudden, Rosa's, Rosa's runner. I do think it's fear. I do think it's, she's in her environment. And sometimes when people can come into a process of matchmaking, the biggest fear can sometimes be fear of success because they know that in being successful, the life before changes. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing with Ross right now. She's realized that if this progresses with Thomas, life isn't gonna be quite the same anymore. And I think that's made her scared and she stepped back from it altogether, which was a real shame, but. Yeah, I mean, she's she's quite complicated within a relationship, isn't she? Because there was almost always something that she didn't feel was right. It, she quite intensely felt wasn't right, whether it was, at the beginning, desperate for hugs and affection, and then, you know, concerned once they'd been intimate that she didn't quite feel how she should. And she relaxed just for that little bit and enjoyed it. And now she's back to getting herself into a real, a, a really devastated state again while she questions everything. So um, I don't know, maybe Ros was once really in love and she knows how that felt and she wants to create that. I'm not sure because she's really questioned everything rather than just going with the flow. Yeah. Um, but the good Focused on the negatives, not yeah. the positives. The good thing was, as hurt as Thomas was, he seemed to be walking away a stronger, more open-hearted guy, ready to find love again, um, which was great because, I mean, it must have been really difficult hearing somebody saying, I want children, but just not with you. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough. That's harsh. Yeah, that's a yeah. bit of pill to swallow, isn't it? That's probably, and there's no way back from that. I mean, yeah. that's the reality. To turn around to somebody and say, "Well, actually, you know what? I do want kids, but you should as well have said I couldn't imagine anything worse than having children with you." I mean, th there is no way back. Funnily enough, it wouldn't surprise me in the future, um, in on their social media, is if we see perhaps Thomas and Laura. Having having more to do with each other because they did seem to balance each other very well. So I think that would have been a great match. Like we said, if we could change the matches up a bit at this point, yeah. I think uh, Thomas and Laura, and I think Peggy and um, Matt. She found him yeah. a bit boring, but I think that Adri Adrienne and George would be much better together. Matt yeah. might be the kind of guy that Peggy's family like because he's just strong, polite, you know, doesn't say much, but would be a very loyal provider and all of those kind of things, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, you could see where maybe you would match, um, mix and match a little bit. Well, they've been doing that anyway, haven't they, to a degree? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd love to be able to get in there now and change things up a bit, like yes. change things up a bit for a bit longer than just two days. And just yeah. see and just see what happened. But yeah, Laura, I think um, she gave this long speech about how she was one hell of a woman and she wouldn't kind of shrink herself down any longer. And I was thinking, yeah, you know, you go for it. And then she's kind of like, but I'm going to stay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because yeah. I, I do think, I mean, I know we're running out, but I do think Arthur is let himself. I mean, I did really like Arthur, but I think his communication with her friends was completely abhorrent really and I don't think there's a way I think without the experiment I think Laura will just step right back from it because the friends are important and they are the your network the, the your support network so I can tell you now we're just about to run out of time so I'm going to say this really quickly Arthur would not be an easy guy to be in a relationship with absolutely not 
wouldn't no. wouldn't even nothing could persuade me there so i think that laura eventually will be right if she moves on but let's wait and see yeah no i agree we will talk again next week and who knows what will have happened by mm. this time next week um yeah quite exciting but we won't make any predictions because our predictions were all going horribly wrong haven't <laughs> <laughs> <on> they just <laughs> and we'll just see what happens next week shall we yes definitely. Okay. all right then have a great week and i'll see you soon yeah see you soon